Thanks for tuning in to the Pitchers Hit Eighth podcast. This is episode 5.0. We we took a couple of uh, well-needed weeks off, and we're back and, and, and ready to knock this one out of the park. How you doing tonight, Nick? Just another uh, beautiful evening after watching a Cardinal win. I, there, there's, there's nothing better, in, in my opinion, than getting a – a good win during the day and, and getting to talk some Cardinals baseball at night. And we have a, a good show planned for you guys. Star off machine is, is joining us musically as always. And you can check them out at iTunes. And, uh, I, I know from talking to the guys that they, uh, they got some things planned and you can also check out their Facebook page. And if you're on the West coast, I would highly recommend checking them out live. They put on a good show. Our special guest for tonight's episode is Dane Perry, who more news will be to come, but check out the Pitchers Hit 8 site as always for more from Dane there. You can check him out now at Not Graphs and also his book on Amazon. Just look for Dane, D-A-Y-N Perry. And tonight's episode is all about the NL Central. Wrapping up the first half of the 2011 baseball season, there's been plenty of good, bad, and ugly things that have happened, and we're here to discuss it all, and we'll be back shortly with special guest Dan Perry. Okay, as we wrap up the first half of the 2011 baseball season, it's time to take a little look back at the good and the bad, and to start off with the ugly, that's right, the Houston Astros will get a little bit of pub in this edition, episode 5.0 of the Pitchers Today podcast, and I I believe our faithful leader Nick already has a, a candidate for, I guess, the good of Houston. Well, to be fair, not there, there's not been much good about Houston. They have the worst record in the National League, the worst record in major leagues. Um, the fortunate for them is that they play in the NL Central, where no one's really separating themselves. Otherwise, they may have an even worse record. A um, couple of bright spots. A, their, I guess, most consistent bright spot is Hunter Pence. Uh, love him or hate him, this is a guy who... I feel like when he's on your team, you like him. When he's on, when he's not on your team, he's a pest. He's he's got the 
uh, the annoying socks and mannerisms and just bugs the hell out of you. And Michael Bourne's been defensively uh, adequate. He's just running all over the place, having a really good season. Michael Bourne, to me, has been the difference maker for Houston for what it's worth. There's not much difference to be made. That's true. Uh, you know, you, you got to try to look at some positives. Obviously, uh, Lance Berkman going to the Cardinals, and after he publicly stated he wanted to go back to Houston, uh, <laughs> you see the, the season that Lance is having right now, so that kind of, I'm sure, doesn't help things down in Texas. But, uh, well, Dane, do you have a, do you got a candidate for first half honors and for the Astros? Nope. <laughs> no, I, you know, we were uh, talking about this uh, off camera, as we'll say, and uh, it's it's there's such a nondescript bad team that's like you know I, I was aware that Michael Bourne was having some success and Wandy Rodriguez has been fine, but I, I just don't have a conception of what's going on with that team beyond some of the notable names that you mentioned, you know Hunter Pence, set it up, but. Uh, it's hard to think of, uh, you know, a more forgettable team out there. You know, I mean, uh, this is a, uh, you know, you, you see some teams that are just awful, but you, at least you can point to, you know, a crop of uh, you know, a young core, uh, some high-end prospects that they have. That I mean, the Astros are miserable now, and they project to be miserable in the future, particularly if, uh, you know, this Jim Crane guy buys them with a Frank McCourt-like financing package. I mean, this is just going to be a uh, this is going to be a bad organization for years to come. And right now, who would I, well, I guess I'm getting off topic here, but who would I take off their team? I would take Brett Myers because he's a true American hero. <laughs> I, I like Myers. Myers is uh, my pick to be dealt off of Houston. Uh, unfortunately, if they, if they were going to really get a lot for him, they should have probably dealt him last year. Uh, been the time to do it because he's not, not good this year. And, uh, uh, last year is, you know, obviously way over his head. You know, he's one of the, uh, off the top of my head, I would say he's one of the one of the 10, 15 best stars in the National League last year, and he was not that this year. And uh, no, I don't, you know, if I had to pick an Astro, I suppose I would go with Michael Bourne. Uh, not that we're, you know, in, in dire need of outfielders, but he's their best player, in my opinion. Josh, if I may interject just to elaborate on Dane's comment about the Astros being uh, nondescript. If there's anything that really drives that point home more than this, I challenge someone to uh, email us or or, uh, otherwise contact us and let me know. But I think the the epitome of the 2011 Astros being nondescript can be found in the fact that Clint Barmas is currently third on the team in uh, offensive wins above replacement i'm sorry third on the team period in wins above replacement clint barmas ladies and gentlemen clint barmas which, which I, yeah clint I, I hate to say but that that clint, that clint barmas who was actually some people thought would have been a good uh shortstop upgrade for brandon ryan after last year and that just made me shake my head but you know he uh the, <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 Texas wins above replacement, so it's on a totally different well, scale. Uh, you know, 
I, the unfortunate part, and this is actually kind of what was going to lead into the guy that I was thinking about, is some of the moves that the Astros have made, you know, both bad and then ugly moves, have just decimated their, their farm system when they were trying to hold on to, I guess, the, you know, the killer bees or whatever they had going there for a while. And, you know, they gave a 40-man roster spot to Blake King, who... I don't know if he'll ever <laughs> pitch for the Astros, but one of the good finds that they did, you know, pick up if he's going to end up becoming their closer of the future or whatnot in the Lance Berkman deal was Mark Melancon, who, yeah, he, I don't know if he would make the the bullpen for the Cardinals, but when you're the Houston Astros, you got to try to find any bright spots and, um, I'm not much of a Hunter Pence guy. I I think Michael Bourne will probably find himself some decent money from a team down the road that's not the Astros. And, you know, Dane, as you pointed out, with with them going through some turmoil with their ownership, (laughs) it's just, uh, you know, and we've talked to Houston bloggers before that just uh, they, it's hard for them to find anything to root for right now. And it's gotten even worse now that the Pirates are not, the laughing stock of the NL Central anymore or the National League. Yeah, you know, and their situation is such that, uh, you know, as we've obviously made the point here, they don't have a lot of marketable commodities right now, so they're not going to be able to restart that, restock the farm system at the deadline because there's not a lot on that team that people would want. And uh, that's, uh, you know, that's, you know, again, throwing, throwing the ownership turmoil and, uh, because this Jim Crane guy buys the team, it's just it's it kind of looking like a dismal future for Houston here. Of course, uh, you know things can turn around quickly. We've seen surprises in the past, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, major league talent is major league talent, and it can turn around unexpectedly. But right now, things look pretty bad for the Astros. No, no, it's not a it's it's not a a, a bright spot, and and hopefully that will bode well for the Cardinals down the road here, since you know. The teams at the top of the NL Central are going to have to to beat up on Houston and the other team we're going to talk about, the Chicago Cubs, uh, as much as possible to hopefully put some distance between themselves and the other three clubs at the top. And, you know, uh, Dane and Nick, you guys know a lot better than I do of what comes and goes in Chicago with the, with the Cubs, but even... even <laughs> Most of the Cubs fans that I know, including my brother and everybody else, they, <laughs> as far as they're concerned, the baseball season for 2011 is just, it can't get over soon enough. Yeah, there's certainly that sense. I mean, no one's coming to the park. And, uh, you know, in recent years, especially since, say, 2003, the Cubs have been able to sell at that park even when the team's not good. And that's, I think that's finally turning this year. You're seeing, uh, you know, whether that's related to the economy at large or what have you, but. You know, that's a lot of empty seats in Wrigley, and that's that's very unusual uh, in recent history. And uh, obviously the team is bad. I think pretty much everyone would agree that Mike Quaddy seems a bit overmatched as a major league manager. Uh, but unlike the Astros, I think the uh, the Cubs have a few names that uh, uh, will draw interest and could net them some pretty interesting prospects at the deadline. Uh, they, they're not completely devoid of impact players, and that, uh, you know, that's a better position to be in than, say, Houston's. No, for sure. Nick, is there anybody that stands out for you that's actually 
maybe you know put themselves in a better category for the Cubs? Uh, well, first of all, I would agree with uh, Dane about the assessment of Quaddy, and and that's a lot of what I've heard or seen on Twitter and and several friends of mine who are Cubs fans. There was there was this obvious and tangible love affair with him at the end of last season when he took over, um, and he he had the uh, I don't know if there's a specific terminology for it now or or whatever the case may be but he had that kind of interim manager bump i guess you'd call it where the the previous guy left town and they won a few games under his stewardship and they decided this is the guy and everyone that i talk to everyone that i read that our Cubs fans seem to love his hard-nosed, old-school baseball mentality, but they all lament his baseball mind. Um, and and consistently, constantly questioning managerial decisions, et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, Dane, stop me if, if you've heard something different, but I, I feel like all I'm hearing is, you know, Quaddy's great, but what the hell was he thinking when he did so-and-so? Um, he's a hard ass kind of dude expects a lot from his players, but he's not, I, I guess, like I said, maybe a little bit out of his league in that job. Um, certainly there are players that are marketable. A, a guy that really, I think kind of under the radar has put in a good season, even though the win loss record doesn't show it and, and a great example of a guy who's pitched fairly well. And even Cubs fans don't feel that they think the guy's a bum. Matt Garza has thrown relatively well compared to uh, compared to a lot of guys, and just isn't getting results because of the team he's playing for. Um, I, I, I tell you what, I, the Cardinals could certainly upgrade their rotation with Garza in it. In my opinion, maybe you guys disagree. No, I like Garza. I mean, he's uh, he's also a pretty amped up guy, and I think frustrations can get to him and that sort of thing. And uh, you have to think that's in a good environment for him right now. But, I, you know, I've, I, I really expect him to do better this season, uh, just, you know, coming from the AL East to the NL Central, and, uh, which is like, you know, I, 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 I half kid when I say that's like going from majors to AAA, you know. And, that's, uh, and I expected more of him this year, but, you know, you've seen flashes of his ability, and I think a change of environment could really be good for him. And, uh, you know, I don't think that will happen, but, yeah, he would be a guy uh, that would uh, be a very nice fit in St. Louis, I think. I, I've always been a Garza fan. I, I like that, you know, he was a fiery guy, and uh, uh, you know, it just seemed like that he really kind of helped Tampa stay in things down there, and, and was a guy that that you really kind of rooted for, <laughs> of course, before he became a Cub. And the situation they have is not healthy up there in that clubhouse, and then. Uh, you know, it, it remains to be seen if ownership's going to make any any moves for them. Um, as far as Quaddy, I guess that worries me being a National League guy that uh, that Quaddy's on the <laughs> the NL management staff as far as uh, what to do with uh, the team and everything. So maybe uh, maybe that's more of just a ceremonial thing because <laughs> I don't know if if Quaddy. From some of the things my brother and some of my friends have, have told me, I don't know if he's uh, going to be able to make it this year after, you know, 
bringing in a couple guys that have done it. Well, he's a fine third base coach. He's a fine third base coach, but if you're the Cubs. Well, so on the all-star staff, and that's probably what his role will be. Well, we can only hope if we want to see the National League win since, you know, this one counts. But I guess part part of me is glad (laughs) that the Cubs didn't get Sandberg because I thought Sandberg would have been a much better choice to manage that club. But, you know, uh, I guess I, I always think it's better for baseball kind of with the the Red Sox and the Yankees if, if both the Cubs and the Cardinals are in it and they're actually the games matter because right now it, it, it just, I don't know. I, I used to be an Aramis Ramirez guy. I guess I, I pardon me, still kind of hopes that he gets he gets dealt. I, he's, he's not having a bad He's really not, season. especially he's the not... end of the first half. He he just kind of went on a roll there, which you've seen him do before, but he's like a lot of Cubs. He's really up and down right now. He's and not old. And this he's... is a down year for third baseman, you know? Uh, and in that context, Ramirez's numbers don't look bad at all, you know? I'm not sure he's a great buy going forward, but no, first half, he's, uh, he's, he's done just fine. Yeah. Well, and he's, he's not old Aramis by any stretch, but right. he, he, that show, I mean, as Cardinal fans, as we all saw with Scott Rowland, that shoulder injury is just decimating two guys. Got to make that throw all the way across the diamond, and and a, and a guy who is largely a power hitter. Um, That's you know, all he, Scott Rowland to you. I'm sorry. That's all star Scott <laughs> Rowland to you. I'm sorry, all star Scott Rowland, Scotty. Yeah. yeah. Which you know, yeah. That that, granted, it's an injury selection, but that speaks to that lack of whatever depth, performance, overall numbers of third baseman this season. Scott Rowland, sure, you know? sure. And that's you know, yeah. So I mean, a team in a dismal situation could buy a chance for Ramirez and might be better off for doing it. Well, Chicago finds themselves twelve games out going into the break, and. You know that that's still seven games ahead of Houston, but it's a, a far cry from being able to compete in the NL Central or you know anywhere in baseball right now. And uh, I know a lot of people have said the same thing you did, Dane. That you know, especially going from the AL East to the NL Central, it's a a huge drop off. But you know, the next team we're going to talk about, the Cincinnati Reds, have found that it's not always easy to maintain a certain level of play. Uh, say what you will about the Reds. Obviously, there's not a lot of a love lost right now between uh, Cincinnati and the, and the folks in St. Louis, but uh, I was actually very surprised that it, it took them kind of half of a year for most of the rest of baseball to realize that Cincinnati was playing over their heads last year. Uh, it seemed a lot of people that wanted to put them into the discussion that they were going to always be right there. Well, yeah, I, I won't say I wasn't, I wasn't impressed with them last year, but I think they just kind of had everything clicking at the right time. And it was more of the fact that the Cardinals fell off a little bit more so than it was just the Reds having a great year. Joey Votto is a great player, but I, you know, we've just seen them recently play in St. Louis, and I'm not—I'm just not that enamored with them. But I'd like to get your guys' take too. 
Yeah, I think they, you know, overperformed across the board on offense last season. Uh, you know, Votto, of course, is a great player. Jay Bruce is having a, a breakout year to some extent. You know, Brendan Phillips, Slover Hayden, he's, he's a very nice player and produces for a middle, middle infielder for sure. But uh, they just see a lot of holes in that lineup, and they're, they have rotation depth, but no, they have no ace. They have no sub-ace. Uh, they have a lot of, you know, it's good to have depth, but, you know, when when each when it's full of mediocrities, I'm not sure it's it's such an asset. I think that's the problem they're running into this season is they just don't have a uh, – a uh, top-tier starter put in that rotation. Got a lot of arms, but uh, nothing that can, can compare to some other arms within the division that uh, some guys have in the rotation. I think, uh, you know, Cincinnati is uh, hovering around 500, and I wouldn't surprise me at all if they end up around 500, because I think that's uh, that's their underlying talent base, uh, last season notwithstanding. Nick, any good things to say about the Reds? I would probably disagree with Dane, if only slightly, on the offensive end of things because I think that any more um, with as widespread as the league has gotten player-wise, I think you could argue that the Reds, if not elite, they certainly have they certainly have a good offense. Um, Vado's out of his head. Uh, Phillips is offensively at least, an above-average second baseman in my opinion. Jay Bruce has got to get some things together. I think there's been a lot of uh, outcry that I've seen from Cincinnati fans about uh, about him, but I think their offense has the potential to be good to very good. Um, they do have some of the hangers-on, like uh, like Renteria, that Jockety just can't shake himself from, um, that are kind of, you know... One of those things, it's sim- very similar to Lance Berkman, in my opinion, in that if it pans out, their offense is completely different. If it doesn't, like it hasn't, then they struggle. But the thing that's bringing the Cincinnati team down is the pitching. They have they had so many guys who came through the system, uh, much ballyhooed, very hyped, uh, you know, Cueto, um, who's actually been – probably the best of the bunch. Um, Homer Bailey has never panned out, really. Um, these guys just struggling to get things done. Aroldis Chapman, is he healthy? Is he not? Is he going to be a starter? Is he going to be a reliever? Pitching's bringing him down right now. But in terms of one bright spot from the team, I mean, geez, Joey Votto's really good. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And uh, I'll say that uh, Francisco Cordero is working on a championship beer gut. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's something to hold out there. I mean, the, the uh, throwback unis they wore the other day in Milwaukee really, really showed it off nicely. That is, uh, that's something. I, uh, I, I don't think I can top that. That I'm, I'm going to have to write that down as a discussion topic for maybe the, uh, that. I'm going to have to put Cordero towards the top of the list. That might even beat out the calzone right there. I don't know. I say that lovingly and admiringly. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, I'm not mocking it. I mean, that's, I'm impressed. Josh is just setting you up for the rest of the show to uh, continually make you try and top the last one to see what's eventually going to be the title. 
Hey, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's uh, that, that, that's that's part of the host. I never that's, said that's that there was. That's part of the host duties, right there, is to, you know. I, I never said that there was. You guys need Rick Riley. Oh no. Oh jeez. That guy is always on. <laughs> that's a, that's a sound by the yeah. minute, huh? Moving on. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I. I'm kind of glad that the Cardinals get to open up with, with the Reds uh, going into the second half because I would like to be able to put some distance right away if possible. Uh, it, you know, and, and I think it was kind of proven. The Reds jumped out to that huge lead, and and you know, Bronson Arroyo is just one of those guys that you see him from TV, and you're like, why can't these guys, you know, do more with him? But then again, you know, he's also a guy that's been around baseball for a long time and he's been able to succeed in his his repertoire and doesn't go outside of his strengths and i i wonder if some of the success that cincinnati had last year is just kind of going to the heads of some of their other players uh the pitching staff like you said is just really awful this year is really kind of the only way to put it i think the only reason they're two games below 500 is uh the division they play in and and (laughs) Hopefully St. Louis can do something with that and put some distance between them because our next team on the list, the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, obviously came out of nowhere this year, and and it, it's not a a sad story by any stretch of the imagine. The the Pirates have had a a great deal of success over their career, but just <laughs> I don't even I I think I'd, I'd have to look it up to be sure. I don't want to get the number wrong, but they've had so many losing. Um, Losing seasons in a row that I'm not sure what the fans in Pittsburgh would do if this continues another month or so. 1992 was their last Oh, wow. Season. Was that the last year Bonds was there too, Dane? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I recall reading the other night, um, and I'm sure it was just a little blurb on Twitter because that's all I – I can't stand to read more than 140 <laughs> characters at a time anymore. Sorry, Dane. <laughs> but uh, someone had posted it was probably Maury Brown or, or someone similarly uh, related to the business aspect of baseball that uh, and it, it included the Pirates and the Royals and the Indians and maybe one other team all teams that have been similarly kind of blighted over the last few years in terms of and team performance, et cetera. And, of course, the Indians are on the up, and, and the Royals uh, started out hot. They've kind of faded a little bit, but they've got exciting players there. They're, their system is starting to come to fruition, and obviously the Pirates are succeeding. All of those teams averaged over like like over 30,000 per game for the weekend series. I mean, that's a huge deal, a huge, huge deal, especially somewhere like Pittsburgh, like we say since 92 not had a winning season and everybody talks about it being the best baseball park no one's ever been to things like this this is a big big deal for baseball and in regardless of how it impacts the cardinals if the pirates go on to win the division and and beat the cardinals into oblivion whatever it's hard for me as someone who loves rooting for underdogs it's hard for me not to be excited about that yeah, you know, I've I've always liked the Pirates, and I, I 
have openly declared them to be my second favorite team. And they, uh, it's just, you know, as you mentioned, it's a great park. It's a great city. And, uh, you know, my, this is going to date me a little bit. My first memory of baseball was the 79 World Series. The Pirates come back from three games to one and beat the Orioles, and they're dancing on the dugout, and the parrot, you know, it's just like, I was like, you know, this is baseball. You know, this is great, you know. And I've always had a soft spot for the Pirates since then, and it's just it's great to see them succeed again with some exciting young players. And I think it's legitimate too. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I, I think most of us anticipate a fade in the second half somewhat, but I think a, a winning season is a realistic possibility and uh, they are slowly methodically building a decent talent base. And uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, I wish them all the success in the world because I, but I wish them a lot of second place finishes because they're just a fun organization, a great history. And uh, I've enjoyed watching them, uh, you know, when I was a kid, and I'm enjoying watching them again. I, you know, Pittsburgh is in a unique situation as well because they do have a lot of younger talent, and they actually have some players that could possibly, if they make the decision at the end of July that they, you know, want to focus on this year, they could be one of those teams that does trade some of the younger talent to possibly bring in some of the guys that might, help them stay competitive in the NL Central. It's just going to be interesting to see if uh, Andrew McCutcheon, he's one of my favorite young players to watch. It'll just be interesting to see if he's able um, to help the Pirates stay competitive. And, you know, they're, they're almost the exact opposite of the Cincinnati Reds in that they have all the pitching right now. And all They're kind of – their pitching is just – really working but their offense uh, their offense isn't bad it's just not you look at a lot of the guys that are doing it the neil walkers of the world and stuff like that and you just think how long is this gonna stay this way you know but then i guess you can say the same thing about their pitching staff i didn't think anybody thought joel hanrahan would have 26 saves going into the all-star break well josh see and this is all the things that you just said are primi- primarily why I would disagree with you about the Padres. Jeez, the Padres? <laughs> really, Nick? My goodness. <laughs> Excuse me while I take another tug from my St. Louis slash Belgian adult <laughs> beverage. <laughs> primarily the reason why the Pirates... I think are not in a position to be selling off prospects to try and win the division this year. Yeah, it's a great story and yeah, they're in contention, but number one in this division, I'm not certain that they have to add to win as long as they continue to play the way that they have been. Number two, why sell off the stash of prospects when they've got, when the teams ahead of them, the Brewers, the Cardinals, even the Reds parallel with them, have nothing coming through the pipeline similar to what the Pirates have. Nobody can compete with the Pirates and what they have coming through the pipeline. Um, so let Garrett Jones and and Ronnie Cedeno and this cast of otherwise cast-offs continue to propel you to whatever it means this season in terms of continuing to bring back the fan base, things of that nature, and then call up all your guns next year and really start to press to win. And then maybe a year following that is when you start to talk about trading off prospects to really make a push to win. The, the problem in my mind that the Pirates have always had is that 
they're always jumping the gun. They're selling too soon. Um, and, and I know that they've had to do that with several players over the course of extended losing. But now when you're just on the precipice of, I, I think, really coming into a team that could win a whole lot of games over a handful of years, why why are you going to undercut that by selling the back end of that run to win? And I know flags fly forever, I, I can't get over the fact that it's just too early for them. And yes, Andrew McCutcheon is incredible. Um, I think the Cardinals would kill to have Joel Henry. Oh, right. you're right. But that you hit it on the head and it's exactly what Dane pointed out just, you know, here a few minutes ago, 1992 is their last winning season. And yeah, I think I agree with you. It'd be a, mis- that's it, hard it'd to be a mistake sure. if they did it, but that's why I see them doing it is you don't know just because they got good prospects look at the royals the royals have the best farm system in all of baseball but it doesn't mean that they're going to be able to put any of those guys in the starting lineup and and get more wins out of it and right now pittsburgh's drawing better than probably any other te- better than just about any team in baseball and you know i see them continuing that and if nothing else <laughs> probably probably making a move and it probably would be a desperation move. It's not. It, you're you're also right, Nick. They don't probably need to make a move to stay in contention. But I, I guess I look at the fact that they don't have the track record, and none of the players that are playing for Pittsburgh even remember what it's like to win. So, you know, why not? If if they think somebody might be a blocked prospect, or even if he's not a blocked prospect, depending on what deals are out there, if you're able to go and get a guy that in theory could help them for this year. Yeah. That it, it, it could end up being a mistake and everybody knows Pittsburgh's made their fair share of bad trades. And, you know, I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing for baseball for a, a few trades to be made that probably shouldn't be made. It's just, if you're, if you're Pittsburgh, you're right. Why do that when you don't need to, I guess I just see them doing it because their ownership and their front office staff hasn't proven that they know what to do with the winning ball club. I will say this, though. But I, I, my guess is that uh, the front office is acutely aware, even if they're buried in the stands in the second half, of the value of win number 82, should they get there. And oh, sure. There's a reasonable shot at that, even if they're completely out of the race, that I think they hang in there. Because that's in terms of building the brand, you know, whatever BS NBA term and apply to it. I think they're going to be aware of that. And I think just saying, hey, winning season in Pittsburgh, you know, come see us play next year. You know, I think that's going to be a uh, that's going to be part of the calculus. And I think, you know, again, even if they're buried in the standings, even if the Cardinals or Brewers run away with in the second half or the Reds, uh, I think the, the, the Pirates are going to gun for that winning season just because, you know, as we discussed, it's been almost 20 years. And Clint Hurdle, you know, uh, if, if he – doesn't want to stay with Pittsburgh. I think he's going to have every opportunity to to manage just about anywhere he could possibly want. And there has been some head scratching managerial moves already this year in baseball. So, but you know, Pittsburgh is a feel good story, and they're definitely the uh, surprise team in baseball this year, no doubt about it. So, you know, and it comes down to a Cardinals Pirates like nail biter. Everyone in the country is going to be hating the Cardinals. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, yeah. they, they already hate the Cardinals, you know, just because of uh, the LaRusse attitude and all that kind of stuff. But 
yeah, the entire the weight of the world would be against the Cardinals uh, in that one. So that could be interesting. You know, I, you know, nothing wrong with being the bad guy. No, and they find themselves one game out, uh, forty-seven and forty-three going into the break. So obviously, pirate fans out there are uh, stunned. Probably not stunned. I mean, they they've had a few pieces in place, but it, this is definitely a a first half to remember for Pittsburgh and. Uh, I guess if you're a Milwaukee Brewers fan, this might be the uh, the first half season to forget because you know if if I'm a if I'm somebody that's been paying attention to the Brewers, they've had every opportunity, especially through the month of June, to really you know if not put the Cardinals away and, and put some distance between them and the rest of the uh, NL Central. They have definitely had. A, a ton of chances to definitely put a stamp on the first half of the season. And I don't think it bodes well for the Brew crew that they have failed to do that here in the last month of the first half. Yeah, there's just, there's something about the NL central that, you know, every couple of weeks, it just seems like the entire division is losing even when they're playing each other. It's just, it's bizarre. I mean, you look in the standings, and you see the Cardinals, you know, drop like five or six and they actually gain ground or something like that. It's just it's it's bizarre how the tides seem to move together in the NL Central this season. And yeah, the Brewers just can't seem to get any separation, even though so much has gone wrong for the Cardinals in terms of injuries. And, you know, the Pirates are the other player right now. And uh, that's normally a very good thing for the division leader. But not this season. The Brewers just, you know, Granke hasn't lived up to uh, expectations, although the peripherals are certainly pretty strong. Uh, the offense is a powerhouse. The defense, of course, is undermining them. Uh, but, you know, I, I have a hard time. Uh, uh, this team scares me going forward. I'll, you know, that's, you know, they're tied for the division lead, as you mentioned, and just uh, so much so much talent at so many different positions and a lot of upside in that rotation. Uh, they just, uh, you know, they have holes like every other team in this division, but this team really frightens me. Uh, and, uh, you know, if the Cardinals keep getting – Injuries and the rotation continues to kind of wear down as they're to be doing to an extent. And uh, I, I fear the Brewers going forward. I'll say that. Well, Nick, you and I have had plenty of talks about Milwaukee and the, and the fact that uh, they seem to be the the newest incarnation of you know uh, the Reds from last year and, and Houston for a while, the last decade, and and the Cubs to a, a lesser extent. Uh, they got some interesting pieces to say the least. Uh, Ryan Braun, uh, we talked a little bit with our, our Brewers blogger a couple episodes ago with his new deal. Uh, I guess the guy that doesn't have a deal and has been talked about with, with, I guess one B to Albert's one A is, is Prince Fielder and the type of season that he's having. Uh, do you see him falling off at all in the second half? I don't. I don't. That's that's scary. And like Dane said, and and for myself, if I'm going to call the Reds offense a good to very good offense, then the Brewers offense is just off the charts. Um, Braun is incredible, has been incredible this year, as we've come to expect from him at the plate. Ricky Weeks is what would Cardinals fans do if, if Ricky Weeks was the everyday second baseman in St. Louis? I mean, holy crap. Um, Fielder, obviously, is Prince Fielder. And 
I, I guess all I can say about the Brewers is, is I agree with Dane. They scare the heck out of me. And what the hell is going on with Niger Morgan and Chris Narvison? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Tony Plush. Tony Plush. Is, is that a See, great... Narvison doesn't even have a good nickname. It's just, he, he's just, what's going on with him is just weird. Yeah, yeah. I... But I, I, it's, yeah, he's, he's, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm going to stand around when I, because I don't know what to make of Narvison. No, no, <laughs> I, I don't think anybody saw, saw that coming. And, and honestly, that was a completely nondescript left-handed starting pitcher. It would make more sense if I looked at the stats and he had only pitched against the Cardinals. Then I would get it. Right. Yeah. And you know, and, and he seems like a guy who's been scuttling around since I was in high school. You know, I mean, it's just he's been there for years. You know what I mean? And and it's just it's coming together for whatever reason. And it's just it's it's bizarre. And uh, you know, you have to think it can't last. But on the other hand, you have to think that. Uh, Zach Greinke's going to get better, you know, so. Yeah, indeed, and that's the scary part yeah. because um, it, true to form, as a lot of folks predicted, again, the uh, AL East to NL Central transition, um, Markham has been really, really good for them. Yeah, he has, yeah. I, you know, another one of those AL East to NL Central guys who's actually, you know, who's, who's benefited from it. And, uh, yeah, they, they – uh, the the front of the rotation is uh, is potentially very very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. If if Granky's able to come to any kind of form, um, you know, uh, I think I think that is the scariest thing about Narvison is the fact that he's able. You know, there's very little pressure on him. You know, he can go out there and he's kind of the guy you forget about with the rest of the the big names in that rotation, and you know uh, that that is probably the thing that, that I was overlooking with them is as, as long as their rotation stays healthy and, and it seems like they kind of have the back end of their bullpen figured out a little bit, you know, Axford's not the unknown anymore. Um, you know, it, it'll be very interesting to see going forward how the Brewers and the Cardinals, if either team makes any moves here at the end of this month, that I guess that's that's what I'm thinking is going to put one of those two teams over the top, or you know, for all intents purposes of this discussion, I guess the same can be said about the Pirates or the Reds, depending on who they acquire. So, offensive wise, no, Niger Morgan was not a guy that I expected to do much of anything in Milwaukee, but then again, that's <laughs> probably because he was all but forgotten about. Uh, after he left Washington. And that was the, the question that I had for our Brewers blogger was, you know, did anybody see this happening? And that's the thing is they said he looks like a completely different player. And whether that's because he's on a winning ball club and what happens if Milwaukee falls off a little bit, are you going to see the Niger Morgan of old or, you know, but I guess the big question for me is not so much Ryan Braun. It's it's Ryan Braun's health and the fact that he pulled out of the All-Star game. And, uh, you know, those types of injuries that he's going with, yeah, the time off is going to help. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, the Brewers want him back right after the All-Star break. But kind of with Pools, is that going to be the right move for the team as they're, they're tied atop the division? So 
<laughs> you're right though. You guys are both right. Milwaukee's not going anywhere and and you know, I don't want to wish any ill will upon anybody, but the Cardinals have faced their fair share of injuries and have been able to overcome it. I'm not sure if Milwaukee, if they have any type of injury woes, especially to their rotation or besides, you know, a little bit to Markham and Granke to start the year, that might be the only thing that would really kind of put a wrench in their system is if Milwaukee had to overcome more than Braun missing seven games or something like that with his leg injury is if one of their main cogs of the lineup or the rotation goes down that might be more than they can overcome but i say that because milwaukee really they haven't proven to be one of those teams that can stick it out not over a full 162 game schedule and that 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 leaves us with the only other team and probably the surprise team for me outside of pittsburgh and not just the national league but of course the central is uh our beloved St. Louis Cardinals and the fact that <laughs> I am amazed. I am utterly amazed between the difference in this year's ball club and last year's ball club. Uh, except for the fact that uh, some of the pieces are still there and, and LaRusso is the manager. Are you guys believers yet that that clubhouse uh, makeup makes any difference? Maybe I, you know, that's just, that's the only answer I can ever give that question. I don't know. Uh, everybody says it does, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's possibly, I, mean, I think uh, it probably does make a difference. I don't think it's quantifiable and I think it's probably overstated how much of a difference it makes by those on the inside. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's, there's any mystery as to why they're winning. I mean, Lance Berkman has exceeded all expectations uh, although the rotation has struggled a little more lately, they've been on balance uh, pretty strong this season. Uh, the bullpen is widely maligned, but those young right-handers have been pretty good this year. And, uh, you know, they get offense from some spots. They didn't, they didn't get it in last year necessarily. Uh, you know, Holiday is, uh, uh, when healthy, is hit at an MVP level. You know, for all the Henry and or Albert, uh, you know, let's keep in mind that offensive levels are down for the most since, you know, 92. So, his numbers are still pretty good in that context. Uh, so, you know, I, I think when you, if you're looking at chemistry as a reason this team is winning, I think it comes, you know, well behind actual tangible production. No, you're right, and uh, and, and Dane, that that's that's a good point to remember. Is uh, a, a lot of the guys in the clubhouse that weren't around last year aren't going to know that to them, if you're, especially if you're new to the Cardinals, Berkman, Terrio, uh, that's not something that you don't know what it was like last year. And you don't know for what, for whatever reason, why it just last year's ball club, if they got down, it just, they, it looks like they stopped playing. And, you know, uh, for me, Nick, I'll pass it to you in a second, but for me, as good as Lance Berkman is for me, it's a guy that's been a Cardinal for a while. And, and, I, for one, didn't think we'd ever see him pitch a meaningful inning for the Cardinals again, and that's Kyle Loesch. And except for one pitch, you know, to Kelly Johnson that even LaRusa has said that <laughs> he probably should have not had Kyle in there to face him. Uh, to me, I think he would have been getting a lot more uh, talked about being a, a comeback player of the year, and he, he still might be, I mean, you know, I, Probably if, if Berkman's able to keep it up, he's probably going to be your 
number one choice, but <laughs> to me, Kyle Loesch has to be, again, 1B to, to Berkman's 1A, and uh, I, I'm just, I guess I'm thrilled as a Cardinals fan, but more than anything else, I like to see guys that are able to put a little adversity in their life behind them and come back and do something they enjoy, and uh, I, I just, I don't know about you, Nick, but I didn't think that Loesch would ever factor into the Cardinals anymore. Uh, actually, I did think that that he would. I I think he hasn't been healthy for two years. Uh, not surprisingly, those two years coincided with the two years that he's been the most awful. It, that really, I think, yeah, Lowe's pitching the way that he has has been a huge deal, and I guess that does kind of lead into my point that. I expected the Cardinals to be able to be in this position at this point in the season. I expected them to be able to have, uh, going into spring, sorry, I should clarify. Going into spring, I expected that the Cardinals would have the ability to be in first place at the All-Star break, or tie for first place at the All-Star break. To me, the big surprise has been the way that they have done it because they have overcome so many injuries and had so many players who have contributed in ways that they never expected nor intended. Um, you know, Matt Holiday comes back after having his appendix out after a week and Albert Pujols super bionic regenerates a new wrist in two weeks. Um, I was at that game. It was ugly, and you could see the swelling on his wrist on the TV, um, on, on the closed-circuit TVs at the stadium when it happened. It was nasty. It was not pretty. Um, Lance Berkman unexpectedly doing what he's done. Uh, my captain for an Alan Craig to come back healthy, I mean, the forgotten guy, I mean, he... All of a sudden, everyone has kind of left him out of their brains as we get into the break because he's been on the disabled list for however long now. But remember how well Alan Craig was hitting before we went into the break? David Freeze comes back. Oh, my gosh, what a difference does this guy make to this lineup? I mean, really, have we seen the Cardinals? I won't even say opening day because guys were already hurt then. The Cardinals when they made out their plan for the off season, have we seen what their lineup in February was supposed to be for this year? I, I'm not sure that we have yet. And the pitchers, a Kyle McClellan is clearly in my opinion, showing the signs of an arm that's starting to get taxed um, from, from throwing a lot of innings, but you'd never see it in his face. I mean, the guy just, pitches and competes and i know those are bs bogus uh tony la Russa managerial manual words but he just he goes out every fifth day and he he throws the ball and if they're gonna hit it they're gonna hit it and if they don't he looks brilliant and i don't know i like dane said a lot of the a lot of the bigger issues with the bullpen, I think, have been addressed in uh, unceremonious departures from the team. Um, Lance Lynn, I think, deserves a uh, 
a a uniform with a smaller number on it. Yeah. And um I don't know, I'm I'm really excited to watch the second half of the Cardinal season. No, you you've hit it on the head. I to answer your question about the lineup, uh Craig in there versus a lefty, whether you got him at whatever position you want to play Alan Craig at bat is his position. Um second base. <laughs> yeah. I, I advocate second base. I, yeah. I would like to see that. I mean, I am happy that Skip is able to find at least part of the Skip at old and, and the fact that he doesn't look horrible out there at second base anymore, I guess, is telling enough. But the fact that he doesn't look like an instant out anymore at bat is is a much better thing. And when you factor in that, if anything, a lot of the injuries have helped the guys like Descalso and Tony Cruz and, and John Jay and a lot of these players, Tony oh Cruz, they, the fact that, yeah, by, by the way, I'm selling shares in Tony <laughs> Cruz right now. <laughs> I, I am just, I, I like the fact that the Cardinals don't seem to be unsettled, I guess is the best way I can put it about whatever faces them. But I guess that just happened has to be because what else can you throw at them that they, you know, couldn't already see. And, uh, you know, second half is going to be very telling at least the next couple of weeks, because it does appear from all, even Tony, after the game today, he, he made it sound like, uh, a deal might not be in the works, but he did make it sound like something's going to be happening to the rotation, whether that's telling or not. I, I do foresee uh, a move being made. I just, yeah, they're gonna trade Rasmus. You haven't heard? <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, is that the direction you want to go next? I, I'm gonna write that down as a possible headline title too. There, Nick. Uh, <laughs> you, you want to talk about getting some people to listen? I think we're gonna put that in there too. So. For for Aaron Miles. Oh no. <laughs> well, they do need a starter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, well, they do. I, I'm yes, going to take do. that and put that aside. Doesn't doesn't Aaron Miles have a career FIP of like oh, one? God. <laughs> well, you know, since this is the Pitchers Today podcast, I think it's important that we have a uh, a, a Jaime Garcia section of it, at least for the, the first half recap. And I'm actually kind of surprised that we haven't heard more about the potential deal that was kind of, I guess, leaked on Friday. Uh, would you guys both be in the same category that I am that you'd be open to any deal that locks him up here through his arbitration and is kind of a mirror image of the, the deal that Wainwright signed. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Why not? I, I, from what I heard, they were talking what, like four years, 28. I mean, he'd be silly not to sign that. Right. Yeah. Those, those were the parameters that I read, but yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's, you know, you take a chance obviously and you sign a, pitcher to four-year deal especially but i mean you know those are the kind of things uh you know I, i'm not going to sit here and call the cardinals a small revenue team because they're not but uh when you're not the yankees red sox nexus then you have to take certain chances like that you know and i think this is a wise calculated risk for them you know garcia's uh, held up under increasing workloads and he's obviously been excellent and uh, i think it's a chance you take and uh it's it's a move i highly advocate well, not only that, but cost certainty has 
probably more value to them than the actual dollar amount in Garcia's case. Um, When you talk about a guy like Carpenter, which I'm still not convinced. I'm not convinced they will. I'm, I'm fairly strong in my opinion that they probably shouldn't pick up his what 15 or $16 million option for next year. So who knows what his future holds? Um, Believe it or not that, Losh's contract is coming due what at the end of next year which seemed like when they signed it was going to be the interminable contract and now it's already up um, so for a team who has starters coming off the books as well as the Pujols situation at hand um, I think a really wise move not only and, and I realize that I, I'd probably be laughed out of a lot of discussions for this opinion, but I kind of like seeing a left-hander in the rotation every so often. It's not been a staple of the Cardinals teams of recent years. No, no, that yeah, I think. Go ahead, Dane. Sorry about that. Go ahead. No, that's that, that's that's my limiting <laughs> comment. I, I that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that that's actually the the, the perfect thing. That's actually where I would love to see the Cardinals go is to get another lefty. I'm not sure the, the market's going to work in their favor. Uh, I I seriously hope they stay away from the the Padres and any of their bullpen pieces and whatever the cost might be there. But if they were able to pick up a veteran lefty starter, and as much as you know, I I like Kyle McClellan in the in his role, I, I just don't see him being as productive as he could be if you moved him back to the bullpen. And you know, I, Nick, I know you've been an, an advocate to keep him away from the the rotation for for years now. And and yeah, he had a great a great start, but I I'd rather not see his arm fall off either, and and then have him be out for the next year, year and a half of something were to the workload is just, you know, he's already amassed more innings than I think he has in any professional season so far. So, you know, I read today in the, in the PD that, uh, they're restructuring the rotation after the break to give him 11 days rest, which I think is very good because if he, if he snaps back, then, you know, maybe you can ride him a little longer, but if he's still kind of scuttling out there, then I think you seriously need to think about, uh, uh, you know, making some kind of move there because that's uh, the 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 rotation wearing down and having the depth exposed is my is my biggest concern for the second half. Uh, you know, other than the obvious things like staying healthy, but uh, that's that's my biggest concern. Well, and wearing as far as the rotation and maybe more specifically McClellan goes, wearing down and health probably go hand in hand because wearing down may mean an erosion of health for McClellan. That was always my argument against putting him in the rotation. I think we're seeing now as his innings increase and his pitch counts per game increase, uh, he's clearly becoming less and less effective. And I realize that that can be a, uh, a game to game purview, but at the same time, it's becoming two, three game-to-games in a row for McClellan, and that's what worries me more than anything. He started out like a like a firecracker and, and 
he's obviously slowed down and um i i think he could probably attribute some of that to dane i'm happy to be told that i'm wrong um i i think you know for a guy coming out of the bullpen who's only had what two three seasons there now being a starter um in the bullpen guys see you maybe once every time you come out now he's making two and three turns four turns through the lineup guys are probably catching on to him a little bit more yeah i think that's possible and i you know my my concern is that he's going to you're going to see a string of what I would like to call the Blake Hawksworth start, which is like, you know, he sweats and guts out four and a third and gives up three runs every time. And it, cause yeah. it seemed like Hawksworth did that every time out. I mean, you know, God bless him. He tried, but uh, just, you know, just labored and that sort of thing. And yeah, you're not, you're not, you, you, McClellan's definitely lost that crispness that he showed early in the season. And uh, it's, it's, he's visibly, you know, you, you talked about his stoicism on the mound and that's still there, but you know, there's there's some labor going on there too, and that's uh, that that's you know again that's and he's been kind of a stalwart this season, and that's why I think his you know if he's not able to hold up, that's significant. That's why this the rotation you know the the rotation is what really worries me going forward. I think that's a great point too. Is that I I think that can get lost in conversation sometimes. Is that everybody wants to say, oh yeah, well he you know any more if a starter goes five innings, well, you know, if he went five innings and only gave up two runs, he still gave his team a chance to win. And I mean, I guess in modern baseball, that's true, but if he's going five innings and only gives up two runs, great, but he threw 115 pitches. I mean, that's not really what you want out of these guys. So I I, I think that's a great point where, what was his first few starts and what really kind of, uh, I guess gave me a, a bit of a false hope was, you know, he was going six, seven innings deep and, and throwing 90, 95 pitches. I, that I'd be okay with that. I mean, that, that would be value out of McClellan. I, I don't, I don't expect McClellan to throw eight or nine innings every start like Carpenter does. Right. I mean, I I think that's just an, an unrealistic expectation. But I think expecting him to throw more than five is perfectly reasonable. You know, yeah. you're in a big league starting rotation. Yeah. Yeah. I I I guess I wonder if one of these you know dead arm deal trips in his future, you know, or just basically put me on the deal because he's tired. And I think that's. Yeah, you know, I, I I think he's wearing down, and and uh, you know stress drive and St. Louis heat can't help matters. You know when you're not used to that kind of workload, and I just uh, you know I'll, I'll say it for the tenth time, but I'm sweating the rotation right now. And uh, yep. uh, Carpenter's workload. I mean, you know he talks about the shoulder regimen he's on, how that allows him to pitch more, but he's just he's racking up the pitches, and you know Garcia, you know how's he going to respond to increased workload? And we covered McClellan and. You know, Loesch, uh, you know, I have, I have more faith in him than I thought I ever would. But uh, Loesch has a robotic arm, so he he's fine. Have you seen, like, how much bigger his pitching arm is than his non-throwing arm? <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like, it's like, I noticed this in a photo a couple of weeks ago, and it's, it's, it's obscene. Yeah, but if you look at the scar, I think half <laughs> of it is scar tissue. 
Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess yeah, yeah, ace bandages and whatnot. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it's so. Yeah, I don't worry about that bionic arm. No, no worries there. No. Nope. And Carpenter, I, I hate to say it, but again, to reiterate, as skeptical as I am about that option that the team holds on him for next year. I, I uh I would never be one to question the morals or motives of the coaching staff or the management staff of the team or or for that matter maybe even Carp saying hey guys you know what you don't have to exercise that up op- that option cuz I'm I'm calling it a day after this year anyways I, the conspiracy theorist in me and Josh knows well that this runs deep the conspiracy theorist in me wonders if uh, he's not just throw me two hundred and sixty innings. I don't give a damn. I'm I, I'll do whatever because I'm not coming back anyways. Or the team, or the team thinks that somebody, somebody along the line thinks that because the guy is I, what one hundred and twenty four plus pitches and three straight starts, or or you know what was it two weeks I. Something thirty in back-to-back starts or yeah. something. Like yeah, that. yeah. I mean, he's just it, that's abusive. I once threw Scott Erickson for two hundred twenty pitches in a diamond mine game. <laughs> one hundred twenty-two. Two hundred. Two hundred twenty. It was like a, it was a World Series game, and I didn't want to waste my bullpen where I getting killed, so I left him in there for like a. It was like a twenty-four to six complete game. That yeah. just that just got moved so. to the top of the list for. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so you know larissa just a thought oh boy you know? uh you know after that the... that sounds that sounds that sounds like a job that he would pass off on pj walters <laughs> yeah yeah I, I did see that pj uh you know i pj's back on back up uh for how long i don't know because Sanchez is Sanchez is due back supposedly directly after the uh, All Star break. So, uh, speaking of guys to get called up, and obviously not this year, but the only other thing that I really wanted to to delve into a little bit was the futures game this year. I missed uh, both Shelby Miller and Carlos Martinez throwing, but it from what all the stat heads were saying and uh, the fact that. You know, the new rankings are out for the top 50 prospects, and the Cardinals have two in the top 17. Uh, I, I I would say that, Nick, if, if, if you weren't worried about Carpenter coming back next year, I think uh, it's pretty much a, a foregone conclusion that the, the future is bright for the rotation as far as the Cardinals are concerned with those two. For now. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> well, let's be honest. The future is only as bright as keeping away from a TJ. Yeah. Well, right. that's true. Yeah. Or or a rotator cuff or whatever the case may be. So, yeah. And the Cardinals are doing all the right things with Miller. Again, when we talked with Kevin Goldstein on the last episode, I saw him at Quad Cities in the middle of the summer last year, and he was still throwing 90% fastballs. 
because he could get away with it and no sense in well no sense in tearing up the elbow and yada 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 but also he had awful command of his breaking ball and and any other peripheral pitches that day but prospect business is still the prospect business um they're going to deal in what they have currently which yeah looks great um Carlos Martinez, I think, is there's a lot of hype about him right now. I th- I assume that was the other name on yes. the list. Um, there's a lot of hype about him right now. I'm excited about him. I don't know a whole lot about him other than what I read, and, and it's all been pretty positive. But he's still a young kid. He's real slight from what I've read. Um, so obviously there's going to be con- some concern there about him holding up. But... Um, also, from what I read, he hit somebody in the Futures game tonight, so uh, he's got to be on Tony's good side already. <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So, for all we know, he could be he could be in the rotation next year. Uh, that's you know for an for a nineteen year old. Uh, I, 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 I know, <laughs> Josh, but I'm joke. giving I'm giving Carlos props for the the fact that. You know, and and Leach had a good little write up. It'll be there'll be more up there with both Shelby and Carlos from the Futures game, and it it's interesting to see that he just kind of doesn't appear to be phased by a lot of stuff. And whether that's good or bad, you're right. It, you know, everybody needs to take into consideration that these guys are far far away from a spot in the rotation or the bullpen. As kind of, I guess, I guess that's the Lance Lynn method right now. Well, again, I think it depends on what you consider far, far away. Again, to reference back to what we talked about with Goldstein in the last episode, I think that's the way the season started. And uh, like he said, one of his biggest things, being the prospect guy, and and he gets the questions all the time, when are we going to see so-and-so in the big leagues? And he referenced Shelby Miller. And it was you think Shelby can be in the bigs in 2012? He's like, you gotta be kidding me. There's no way he's going to be, you know, a September call up, whatever. Um, but then again, as he, as Kevin said, the way that he has pitched this year, the way that he has moved up to Springfield, the Texas league and just continued to mow down guys there. It's still early in the season. He could still well finish at Memphis and, and start looking at, Hey, is this a guy who could be, as I like to call it, on the Wainwright program, TM? <laughs> uh, in in 2012, a guy who maybe he makes the team out of spring as a, as a middle relief, and in 2013 they throw him into the rotation as a guy with some big league experience. Um, it doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense in terms of, uh, contracts, but, uh, if he continues to pitch the way that he has, I, it's hard for me to imagine him not getting a shot at some stage in 2012. Sean Miller, that is. No, you're, you know, that's a good point, uh, to throw out there and then i i guess that your main point about how he's moved up dane that's my question for you once the cardinals kind of reorganized things a little bit 
they've made a lot of a lot of changes this year and moving guys up that we don't normally see with the Cardinals is is that a positive in your opinion? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, you know, anytime you can fill these kind of uh you know, whether it's a useful starter, league average type star, uh, regular player, or uh, fill these bench roles, bullpen roles with homegrown talent. I mean, that that helps your budget, helps your payroll. You know, you're allowed to dedicate that. Uh, uh, you know, when you get these cost control guys fill, making up so much of the roster, that's a good thing. And uh, <clears throat> I think sometimes uh, maybe the organization falls a little too in love with a guy, but uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, and they're, you know, I think we all know. Uh, some guys who fit that mold, but it's, it's a great way to, uh, for, uh, you know, a team with good resources, but not limitless resources to, uh, to manage their payroll. So that's an approach I, I, I very much like. And I, you know, if, if, you know, if Larusa and, and Jeff Luno could get on the same page about which guys they like and which guys they don't, it would probably go a lot more smoothly, but I like the idea. And I think it's something worth, uh, I hope it remains a tenant of the organization. No, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> And we need Larry Luber's back. More Larry Luber's. <laughs> well, Nick, you bring a good point that. I want Chris Carpenter, the one with no age. <laughs> the, the Chris yes. without the age. Huh? Yeah. Well. Um, uh, um, I don't know if we can. We already got two Carpenters in the system. I don't know if we can afford any more. Plus, I think we got rid of a David Carpenter here last year or something like that. So. Yeah, he pitches for the Ooh, Astros. That's right. Now. Another NL Central arm. Uh, I guess for me, the, the big the big thing that I'm going to take out of this episode is it, it it's hard for me to fathom that there's still so much baseball left to play because especially the Cardinals have been through so much dating back to Wainwright's injury that a, a lot of things can happen in the next month, month and a half leading up to a, you know, that September deadline. Uh, not And not talking about Shelby or... You know they've pretty much depleted a lot of the guys at at Memphis that we think can be helpful to the team, but there's a lot of baseball left to be played, and I, you know, that's that's the great thing about the All Star break is it it gives you a, a couple days to kind of take a breather, but then you know once the dog days of August hit, especially as you pointed out, Dane in the in the St. Louis heat, <laughs> just about anything can happen as we found out last year. So. It's going to be a fun second half. I know that about it. I mean, maybe get outside the central for a second. So many tight races, uh, so many teams. Yeah, you know, each. You know, I, I, I guess I don't feel comfortable saying the Phillies will probably prevail in the NL East. But other than that, I don't feel great about calling any division race at this point, which is, you know, which is good if you're a baseball fan because that means a crazy second half. And, uh, you know, while we could do without some dramatics in the central, uh, it's going to be an interesting season the rest of the way. You know, it's, uh, it's going to be fun. Well, Nick, uh, any, any party shots for you? Cause, uh, I'm <laughs> we have, we have had a typical, uh, Josh and Nick show and, and Dane, I hate to group you in with us, but, uh, uh it, it's going to be a nice hour and a half of, of editing for Nick to go through. <laughs> oh, he doesn't care. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I I tend to agree with Dane that uh, it's exciting that there's a lot of the season left to talk about, um, and uh, and talk about positively. I mean, 
what the hell? The Cardinals are, for all intents and purposes, in first place, even if it's a tie. And uh, there's it's hard to find fault in that, particularly in a team that I think, as we've uh, displayed a bit, just speaking for the last, as you've said, hour and a half, um, has some flaws, but so do the rest of the teams, and and that's what's uh, both the beauty and the bane of the NL Central. No, that's 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 perfect because uh, as we've talked about, you know, the only team that possibly has their rotation at least all in order right now is Milwaukee, and uh, that's who we're tied with. And the Cardinals tweaking their rotation after the All Star break could end up being a a big factor in in how things turn out. So, for our our NL Central show here, episode five point on the pitchers hit eighth podcast uh we hope you've enjoyed a little bit about every team so if you're if you're checking out the site and you're a fan of the astros the cubs pirates reds or the brewers thanks for stopping by and we look forward to the second half of even more excitement as uh dane called the you know the triple a portion of the major league line up here but I, I I say it with love. We always say it with love. We uh, <laughs> we, we wouldn't be anywhere else, especially the Astros, who, if any of the reorganization stuff goes through, won't be in the NL Central for much longer. And that's too bad. I actually, I'm happy about it. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's going to be a good team to have around for the next five years, I bet. Oh, that's true. But I, I guess I could put the Cubs in the same uh, the same. But that's just for your guys' take, since uh, Cardinals fans in Chicago are few and far between. Uh, we, we, you know, there's an insurrection building. I was gonna say not as few and as far between as I you know. think. I know. Uh, I, I, I hope Sedgwick's turns into more than just a, uh, a, a once a year thing for as many Cardinals fans as possible. Because I remember you sent out a link or a, a, a tweet or somebody to, to the group and you found out there was actually, you got quite a few more responses than I thought you would. Yeah. Nothing surprises <laughs> me anymore. That can be said just about by anything, but do we, do we want to let Dane go or? Yeah. I mean, we've already used up what two hours. <laughs> Thanks Dane. We Thanks Dane. Yeah, enjoyed it, guys. Enjoyed it. I'll uh, look forward to the uh, flawless finish product. <laughs> Keep looking. Yeah. Well, you might be waiting a while. <laughs> Talk to you later, man. All right, guys. Take care. See ya. And that was Dane Perry, our special guest for episode 5.0, who you will be able to check out at 
pitchers at eighth in the future. And you can check out at Not Graphs Baseball. That is www.fangraphs.com slash not. And make sure to check out his book as well, Reggie Jackson, The Life and Thunderous Career of Baseball's Mr. October, through Amazon or wherever else you want to check out your books. Nick, it's it's been a very long first half of this 2011 baseball season, but as we've pointed out here the last... Uh, Hour, hour and a half or so. Uh, the Cardinals, it's been a successful one with everything they've dealt with. And the second half of the year is primed to be just as exciting. Hopefully not as nerve-wracking as what we've been through the last couple months. But then again, I I think that's something we're, we're fairly accustomed to, my friend. Yeah, you know it is going to be nerve-wracking, I know. Right? I'm... I'm fully aware, but I can always hope. I mean, just so I we're clear. I can always hope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I can always true. hope that Cardinals, now that, you know, knock on wood, most of them are back healthy and in uh, one piece can go on a bit of a run and put some distance between themselves. And then all the all the no nonsense doubt. with the trade talk or anything else that's coming up, it, you know, because that, that killed me last year. I'll be honest with you. The whole. Uh, dealing Luddy away and everything else because they seemed like they didn't have any other pieces and had to. That was just a mess. Well, to be fair, I can't say for certain that the Cardinals won't score 12 runs per game for the rest of the season. <laughs> it's just an educated uh-huh. guess. I- I'm with you. I uh, I-, I see a, a couple different endings to the 2011 baseball season <laughs> <laughs> hmm. whatever, whatever ends up whatever yes. ends up happening it, it's uh, one thing i can say for certain is it, it's got to be better than last year i can say that just personally mm. i'll reserve i'll judgment. let you reserve your judgment and i will uh make sure to uh I'm much more excited about the second half oh, of the yeah. season. Yeah, I, uh, I I can I like this team. It's hard not me. to. You know, it's it's really hard not to. They have personality. There's a lot of personality and then there's a lot of uh you know there's a lot of uh, I, I the the question marks aren't there this year. The questions that I have are you don't know what role people are in. And that comes from both mm. pitching staff. Well, I think that I th- I think that's largely come from having to compensate for injuries. It, well. it, it part of it is, you know, part of it is injuries, but part of it is you got a lot of guys that can play all over the place. Or not a bad or thing. Or you're going to put them like Tony Cruz, you're going to put them in spots that I think for the thing I said he didn't know if he had played outfield since high school. So uh, I can't wait to see Nick Punto <laughs> catch. <laughs> well, thankfully, when you're when you have three catchers on your team, I think it would take another uh, New York Mets twenty inning game that we've been through for that to happen. But oh, Josh, <laughs> how long have we been doing this? <laughs> how many times do I have to tell you not to underestimate Tony Larusa? <sighs> I, uh, you know, you know that 
you know Punto will catch Friday, right? If he catches Friday, I think it'll only be... It'll happen. He's probably going to start. You know, the only way that will happen is if he has another Jose Akendo-like game and needs the catch to fulfill all of his positions. Uh, well, or that, or we need to schedule a live vlog for Friday. <laughs> That'll pretty much seal yes. the deal. Yes. So let's make sure we are both uh, incommunicando or whatever you want to call it. Otherwise there we occupied. go. I like that. We're going to be otherwise occupied, but... Uh, as far as episode 5.0 is going, uh, I'm Josh. That's Nick. Pitcher said eighth. Hey. Go ahead. Or are you just... Oh, no. I was oh, just, saying, just saying, hey. I like that. That works. That the... <laughs> uh, our special guest, Dane Perry. Uh, the, the musical renderings of Star Off Machine. You can contact us on the website or through the podcast, the Pitcher Sit Eighth link. And uh, we're always looking for ideas. Episode 6.0 will be right around the corner.
A guy on Twitter uh, told me that uh, Derek Jeter's fill percentage this year was better than Ozzy's in any season. Okay. Like, oh, no, clearly, clearly. <laughs> clearly, Jeter is his peer. Oh, uh, yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. No. Was yeah. that ever in question? No, no, not by me. <laughs> Never dare question say Jeter. Far, far be it from you to, to question Jeets. Yeah, but see, I made the remark that, like, imagine how many hits Jeter would have if he was able to hit with Jeter playing defense against him. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, the, you know, obviously I was trolling for Yankee fans, and that uh, it worked, I, you know. <laughs> I, I was going to say, with uh, with Twitter sending those emails now, everybody, somebody replies to you, I'm sure that right. was a treat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, it tells you. Yeah, just when you're wanting to know when to go over and check the window you already have open, and yeah, right. Old Twitter, good old Twitter, indeed.